opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer. We've enjoyed being in this show since 2005. Your host is Mari Frank, a local attorney since 1985. She's a certified information privacy professional. Mari's testified many times on privacy issues in Congress and the California legislature. You may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, The O'Reilly Factor, and many more shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash privacypiracy. Mari, what's our show about this morning? Well, today our show is about all sorts of very important security issues, and we have a wonderful guest who has been on our show before. We always love to have him back, and I will tell you a little bit about our guest, and you may remember, if you've heard him before, uh, Ron Williams, and after 22 successful years of tenure with the United States Secret Service, Ron has entered private sector security, opening what has become a premier security consulting suite of companies. He's had that for several years now, called Talon Companies. As Chief Executive Officer of Talon Executive Services, Inc., Secure Strategies International, LLC, and Talon Cybertech, LLC, Ron is involved with all aspects of security consulting, including critical infrastructure protection, um, requiring top secret clearance. Uh, Ron Williams also frequently appears on Fox News Channel and many other shows uh, and nationwide shows and as a security analyst and terrorism expert. He was also the keynote speaker at the Alabama Governor's Conference on Violence in the Workplace for Prevention, and we are going to talk a little bit about that. And he continues to educate organizations on various security issues through specialized seminars and training and all sorts of good stuff. You can find out more about him at privacypiracy.org, where we have his picture, his bio. We link to his website, uh, which is talentcompanies.com. Ron, we're so thrilled that you're joining us again. How are you? Well, thanks, Mari. It's uh, it's a pleasure to be here, and uh, thank you for asking me to be a guest. Yes. So we always have so much to learn from you, Ron. Let's talk a little bit about what's you know on the mind of a lot of people, in- including me, which is a lot of the uh, violence that we see all over the place, you know, like in the airports. And and so recently I was flying into Florida, and this was the same day as the Ford, you know, the uh, active shooter in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Thank God I was on a, you know, a different airplane. But let's talk about targeted violence. What is targeted violence? Well, targeted violence, uh, 
used to have the acronym uh, violence in the workplace, but um, it's 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 changed uh, dramatically because uh, we're we're seeing more and more violence, not just associated to employees or disgruntled employees. We're seeing you know targeted violence, meaning that. Uh, you have uh, radical uh, people of radical Islam uh, involved in terrorist activity. But you also have, you know, you have the shooter uh, that occurred in Aurora, Colorado. Um, Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Aurora, Colorado, uh, that went into the theater and and shot up the theater. He targeted that theater, but he had no known association to the theater, and so that's what has changed, and that that is also what has become very unsettling for most people, and the reason is because when you used to talk in terms of violence in the workplace, it was a disgruntled employee or uh, somebody associated to the workplace, and now we're seeing more and more just sort of what we would call random acts of violence where the perpetrator selects a target uh, what we call a soft target, and then attacks. And in many instances in this free country of ours, uh, it's it's almost impossible to uh, predict when somebody is going to uh, engage in a targeted uh, act of violence. And so it, that's what has most people on edge and very, very concerned. And so what we talk about is to be situational aware, meaning to watch and intently watch people. <clears throat> there are three things that we talk about when we talk about a person's propensity for violence. Okay. And the first thing we look at is threat posturing. Mm. Is this person vocalizing threats? Is he as is? Is he talking, is, is he or she talking about violence? And the more specific a person talks about violence, the more they narrow their focus, meaning the more dangerous they become. For instance, if I said to you, Mari, yeah. you keep this up, I'm going to get you. That's a veiled threat. Hey. Should you be concerned? Absolutely. Yeah. But it's not specific. So if somebody challenged me on saying that i could i could come back and say i did what i meant by that was if you keep this up i'm going to sue you right so it gives you an opening and it's a veiled threat but if i say to you you keep this up i'm going to kill you that's specific now the more specific you get then the person becomes more and more dangerous if they start articulating the way the methodology, I'm going to get a gun, I'm going to get a 45, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, because it's, it's, um, it's, it's all of the studies that we've done on people who act out, yeah. they send a message, and that is called threat posturing. Mm. The second thing we look for <clears throat> is preparatory behaviors. Uh, is the individual engaged in stalking? Is he engaged? Is he or she engaged in surveillance of a location, casing it, looking it over? Uh, are they out buying guns and ammo that they've never done before? Are they target practicing? 
uh, are they preparing to do something? Mm -hmm. The third thing is rehearsal fantasies. People who engage in violence, unless it's a random act of violence, and what we call a random act of violence would be a couple of guys going to a 7-Eleven to hold it up, and something happens and they shoot the guy inside, but they didn't plan on it. That's a random act of violence. Right, right. But we're talking about somebody who's actually planning an act of violence. Mm -hmm. And so they rehearse it in their mind. They walk through what they're going to do and frequently talk about it. That's the thing you have to watch for. And listen to what people say and what they do. Be very cognizant of of a person's actions. So, for instance, in San Bernardino, the two uh, um, folks and that yeah. were terrorists that yeah. that 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 uh, in December, I believe it was 2015, went into the regional inland regional center mm-hmm. and shot and killed those folks. Now, he happened to have been a member or an employee and. Uh, that's one of the reasons why they went there is is he was very upset with another individual who he had had some disagreements with. However, what occurred was the next-door neighbor had seen uh, men in the garage acting strange, doing strange things. He, The next-door neighbor became very concerned that there was something going on but they didn't say anything. And the reason they didn't say anything is because they didn't want to, uh, you know, they were afraid of becoming a victim, and they weren't sure that they should say anything. Right. Even though they were very, very suspicious. Had they said something to uh, the Riverside County Sheriff's Department or the Riverside Police Department, there might be a, a, a real good chance that they could have thwarted that particular attack. So we teach situational awareness, meaning watch people, uh, let your sixth sense detect what you feel is inappropriate and potentially threatening, and say something. Mm -hmm. The last piece that I, I would like to really talk about is the active shooter response because we ascribe to the Homeland Security's um, basic concept of uh, response to an active shooter, and that is if you work at a, at a location, uh, know where the exits out of the building are. Um, it's important that the first option you have in an active shooter response is to get out of harm's way. Right. That means run. Get out the first exit and take as many people as you can. Get out of harm's way. When we take a look at Columbine High School, where Eric Klebold and Dylan Smith went into the school and started shooting the students, one of the, th- one of the things that keeps coming up is when they went into the cafeteria, what did the students do? They didn't run. They hid under tables Mm. because kids are trained that in a matter of an earthquake, you get under something. Right, right. And they became an immovable target. Mm. So what we teach is as because people operate on how they're trained. For instance, 
when people find out that I've served in the Secret Service, the first question they always ask is, would you really jump in front of a bullet for the president? Mm -hmm. And the answer is yes and no. The answer is no, not cognitively. I would not see a gun and say, gun, I have to jump in front of this man to save him. That's not what you go through. What you go through is you revert to your training. And the training is cover and evacuate, cover and evacuate. Right, right. So your immediate response is to how you're trained. Right. So you would cover, and if you cover that person, you may in fact get in the way of a bullet, but you don't think like that. That's right. not the process that you use. You, you operate to where the way you were trained. So we train people. The minute you think there's an assault or a shooting that is occurring, Try to identify where that's occurring and run the opposite way. Get Hit the exits and take as many people as you can with you. Right. The second option is if you can't get out of the building, hide, meaning find a room, lock the door, put something in front of it. Right. And turn out the lights and remain calm and, and uh and, you know, keep keep as quiet as you can. Hide from the perpetrator. Right. And the last thing is if you can't run and you can't hide, you have to understand that your life is at stake. And so you have to fight. Right. And that means picking up a fire extinguisher. That means picking up a chair. That means picking up anything and be prepared to fight. Do not try to engage the shooter in talking him down. Mm -hmm. And the reason is because a person that goes into a location to commit assault and is intent on killing people will not listen to rational reasoning. And the reason is because they have already made up their mind this is what they're going to do. They've lost all hope and they don't care anymore. So anything you say is not going to have any effect. In fact, pleading for your life only makes the person more intent on killing you. Right, because because they're taking some sadistic sadistic pleasure in destroying your life. Right. So the, the concept of run, hide, fight is that let's just say you're in a room with a bunch of people and you hear shots and you can't get out of that room blockade the door, but then stack along the door so that when the person opens the door, you're going to attack them. You're going to go after them. Mm. Because if you don't, when he comes in that room, mm. he could he could kill a bunch of people. Right. But if you attack him, the, the, there might be more minimal loss. And I'll give you an example. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cho at Virginia Tech University He purposely planned to go into this building and kill as many people as he could. He chained the door so that they couldn't get out. Right. And he went upstairs into a classroom. But the, and the people in the classroom were aware that there was an assault going on. What they should have done, if they had trained to do this, is they would have stacked along the door so that when he came in, they would have rushed him. Mm. But what they did is they hunkered and they they they, they hid. hid behind desk 
And when he came in, they had no no game plan to save themselves mm-hmm. because he. Where are you going to go right. when somebody has a gun? Right. So what we teach is run, hide, fight. Mm. And those are you know. Unfortunately, we're seeing more and more of these targeted violence attacks. Uh, both from, you know, disgruntled people, people who may have some form of mental illness that get a hold of a gun, and, of course, the um, Islamic radical fundamentalist terrorist, lone wolf, and sometimes associated to ISIS. Right, right. So the other, the other thing we talk about is situational awareness, is using your mind as a camera in the Secret Service we went through extensive training on situational awareness, meaning to use to get used to looking for anything out of place that is uh, suspicious. And, that, and what I mean by that is the the concept is very basic. It's green light, yellow light, red light. If you get used to understanding that if you're in your own home, it's your castle, right. you shouldn't feel any stress. You should not feel any threat. So you should be in a green light mode because you shouldn't be stressed out worrying about if you're going to be attacked or not. Right, right. When you walk outside your door, you enter into a yellow light environment. It's familiar, it's familiar, but I still, when I go out and get the paper in the morning, I look up and down the street. What am I looking for? I'm looking for anything that is unusual on that street. Is there a van that I haven't seen there before? Mm-hmm. Is there somebody lingering on the sidewalk that seems out of place? Uh, that's, that's your yellow light. You go to your office, you should be in a yellow light mode. When you're in a red light mode, you should be cognizant of everything around you within a 360 degree. You should be aware of everything that goes on around you and pick up on anything that may be threatening because the earlier you can detect something that's suspicious, the better you have, uh, the more options you have to not becoming a victim. Right. So, so the red light, give, give a couple examples of the red light. It's, it's not necessarily when the active shooter is in the room. Of course, that's red light. But right. what other okay. kind of let's, red light situations are there? All right. Let's say um, you are, um, you're, you're driving to a location and you go down into a parking lot, a parking area. But let's say a subterranean garage. Mm. When you go down there, you don't know what's down there. You don't know who could be lurking down there. Right. And it doesn't even have to be a subterranean garage. Let's say you go to a mall, to a parking right. area, and you get out of your car. You should be doing a 360. But you should be cognizant of everything around you. I used to. I have uh, two daughters, and I taught my daughters early on situational awareness, and I told them, if you go to a, a, a mall and you park, do not park next to a van, because you, you don't know who's in that van. Right. You know, you'll probably get out of your car, and the door slide open in that van, and they grab you, and you're gone. Right. Good point. Um, you know, it's just things that are very simplistic, but, but actually 
if you don't think about them, then you're not aware of the threat. Right, and I think many people who are honest and good people just don't think like that, you know, so they don't even know. You know, it's it's funny that you say that. Uh, last night I was in the Best Buy parking lot. We were buying uh, something there, and that particular parking lot, none of the lights were working, and it was nighttime. And the first thing I said is, this is a terrible place for people to be walking out of Best Buy with computers and expensive equipment, and it's totally dark. You know, exactly. luckily I was with my husband and another friend, and we were all together, and I was looking around like crazy. Maybe that's because I've interviewed you before, and I, <laughs> I'm more cautious. But I was looking around and saying, let's get in that car right away. It really was a red light for me, you know? Yeah. Well, we, we, we in particular uh, talk to women about their own safety, and when you get out of your car, take your car keys and put one of the keys between your fingers in a projected manner so that if somebody comes up and attacks you, mm-hmm. you can use it to punch them with the key. A key is a key can go right through somebody's belly. Mm-hmm. And you know, you use that to, you know, to detract and and escape, you know, because if you punch somebody in the leg, if they come up behind you and they grab you and you punch somebody in the leg with an open key they're going to they're going to turn loose of you because mm. of the traumatic uh, pain yeah pain yeah. that you inflict on them but that gives you a split second to run <laughs> Mm. run and scream and get people's attention. And you know, Ron, with all of these um, keyless entries, you know, like, you know, <laughs> I have my key in my purse when I'm getting into the car. I don't even put it into the door. Right, you know, it's a, it's a fob. Right, it, it's just there. You know, it's easy and I don't have to look for my keys. But um, now you're making me think that when I'm, you know, when I get out of the car, um, or I guess even walking to the car, I should probably have that key in my hand. Exactly. Yeah. You should yeah. have that key. Um, I have uh, given my daughters um, what they call a tack flashlight. It's a small flashlight, but it's got striated ends. You can use it as a flashlight when you get out of your car, mm. but you can also hold it and use it in the event somebody comes up on you to to gouge them with it and mm. are to hit them with it. It's a small handheld flashlight, but I recommend that to all women to carry a small handheld flashlight in their purse mm-hmm. that has a striated end to it. There's a there's a um, light right now that's on the marketplace called, uh, I believe it's called TAC light, T-A-C light, mm-hmm. that is very small, but you can hold it in your hand. And it can act not only as a light, but as a uh, as a weapon for, and it's in particular probably designed for a female to use. Uh-huh. And then you it know, blinds it's, them. It's it sad that we have to minute. talk about stuff like this, but, but it's it's unfortunately is also reality. And in today's modern environment, we're seeing more and more uh, episodes of uh, targeted violence. And uh, so it's important for people to become aware of their surroundings at all times and, and watch people because people who engage as perpetrators in targeted violence, they have two, two things that you should also be aware of. 
number one, extreme anger. Mm. Two, two, they have a, a, a very extreme anger. And the second, second thing, they don't have any hope. They don't care anymore. Mm. When somebody doesn't care anymore about the ramifications of their actions, they can be extremely dangerous. Right. I worry about that with road rage, too, you know? Uh, yeah. And, and that's another one that, that I, I don't know, what should you do about road rage when you see somebody, let's say somebody is upset that you're going too slow or that you pass them or something. Is there something that you suggest for road rage? I, well, you know, it's, it's, um, it's important in road rage when you recognize somebody is, is uh, over the top, angry, whatever it is, to back off, get as far away from them. If they if they try and pull you over, don't get out of the car. Lock the doors. Right. Get on your cell phone. You know the worst thing you could do is get out to try and talk to them right. or appease them. Right. Because you don't know what their intentions are, and at that point, you can only surmise that they're getting out of the car to attack you. Right. right. So don't get out of the vehicle. Uh, a lot of times these. Uh, these gangbangers up in L.A. will will slide up behind a car and subtly bump bump the car, mm. and they'll pull over. The driver will pull over, thinking that you know, and they get out of the car. They go up and they rob them. Mm. They, they rob them. It's happened time and time again. Wow! So it's it's really important for people to understand that they have to be aware of everything around them, and devise in their own mind how they're going to respond to a particular situation. Now, in that case, you know, they just bumped your car and crashed into your car. So you you call 911 immediately and um, try and remember the license plate or take a picture of the license plate if you possibly can or something. I mean, what do you do? Yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing you don't do, you don't get out of your car. And, uh, and the, the other thing that, that I would do is if you recognize when they get out that they're gangbangers or they're up to no good, speed away and try and get on the phone and, and, uh, Call 911 ASAP. Yeah. Well, we are just out of time. Boy, we could talk for hours. What a wonderful, wonderful help you are, especially for the people who are driving by and the people on the campus. You've, I already feel safer with some of the great things you've told me. So just give your website, and then it's time to go. Okay, Ron? Thank you, Mari. All right. And your website, you want to give that? Yes, it's at www.talloncompanies, T-A-L-O-N, company c-o-m-p-a-n-i-e-s dot com perfect well we will have you back again real soon you take care okay thanks mari thank you bye-bye stay private the opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of kuci its management or the uc board of regents